Later, we walked through bone-chilling rains to see the great bronze Buddha at Kamakura. He was very gracious. He wore a blue double-breasted suit and a large gold cross against his scarlet tie. He smelled of aftershave and his starched collar cut hard into his neck. An American flag draped down in rich folds from the pole beside his desk. He reached out and offered a firm handshake and was sorry about how badly things had turned out. Was it bloody? He asked. I slumped forward, barely nodding. Have you ever seen a man killed? I asked him, my voice choking with aggrievement. He nodded his head. Feels like shit, huh? He said. He started to laugh. What's so funny? I asked. I felt my face and neck get hot. It wasn't fair, I said. What have we ever done to be treated so mean? It's not about you, he said finally, rising to his feet. Anyway, it's just the end of the world, and war and riot and famine were nothing more than temporary setbacks. It's really no big deal. I wasn't amused. I saw a group of children, I said, standing up. They had poured all their lingering hopes into my success. Now, they saw no more destinations to hope for. The children could no longer contain themselves, and they die between humiliation and untrammeled fury, I shouted, making him feel its weight. And whose fault is that, I said. Is that what you're worried about? He asked. Or was it because deep down you imagined a godless universe? He spit out the words as if they were unclean. He sipped from his coffee. I began to suspect that he wasn't as cynical as he liked to make out. I tried, he said finally, his eyes shining as if he were about to cry, and I could hear the desperation creeping out of his voice. I can't. This confidence in the possibility of remaking the world from whole cloth is inadequate to the task. You see? I tried. I didn't answer. It didn't, couldn't end there, I thought to myself. I stood up and left the room.